Hello, I want to welcome you to this episode of the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where our goal every week is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to everyday life. And we are right in the middle of uh, a three-part podcast. So this is episode two of that podcast interview with Trevor Loudon. Trevor was here on the 7th of July, uh, 2021, at Livingstone's Church, where we had the pleasure of chatting with him about uh, the ongoing Marxist movement in America. America. And uh, the first episode, if you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. We talk about a lot of important topics, especially about the kind of the uh, cultural uh, wokeism that's creeping into many churches in America. This episode, we, we transition and we get into a lot of the specifics. We talk about critical race theory. We talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we talk about the BLM movement. Um, we talk about a lot of the issues that we're seeing taking place in on the news, Antifa, uh, the violence, um, uh, the things that we're watching every day on the news or watched at least in the last year. Uh, and, you know, what is the common bond between all of these things. And Trevor does an amazing job of really showing the Marxist underpinnings behind many of these movements. And so I think you'll find it very, very interesting. But he starts off this uh, episode uh, really framing for us the critical importance of the church. You know, I've said this many times before here at Living Stones uh, in sermons, that America is the last bastion of freedom and the church is the greatest defender and proclaimer of liberty because we understand that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We understand blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We understand that we were created by God uh, in his image and likeness uh, and that we receive unalienable rights from God. And so Christians have a very unique and strong and vibrant perspective on what liberty is. And we're, we're really the defenders of liberty. And that's why I've shared with you before that when you see this, the growing secular tide uh, washing upon our shores, uh, the first place it hits is the marketplace and in our schools. Um, but eventually it, it starts to come into the church. And Trevor just pointed out that, you know, America is the last bastion and the world's last hope for an understanding of freedom and liberty, and that if America goes down, so goes the rest of the world. And so I think you're going to find this uh, episode really, really insightful. Once again, I encourage you, let's get the word out, spread spread this message far and wide. Uh, he has a lot of powerful things to say, uh, and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So I will join you at the close of this podcast and kind of wrap things up. But here's Trevor Loudon, part two. Enjoy. Thank you. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's use this maybe as a transitionary point, unless you've got one final volley on Marxism in America. No, look, I'll just say we are in a revolutionary situation now. We, we cannot ignore the fact that if we do not stand up now, we will lose the country. You know, they, they, look, they have passed, yeah, we, we will lose the country. And just as, you know, you look back to World War II, there was only one force in Germany before World War II that could have stopped the Nazis. And that was the German churches, right? Yeah. They had the numbers and the moral authority to stop the Nazis. But did they? No. They, they became Nazi Christians. They put swastikas in their churches. There's a famous story about a little church in Germany where a train pulled up outside and it was full of Jews going to the gas chambers. 
And they were banging on the walls, banging on the walls, let us out, help us, help us. And what was the response of the German Christians? Sing louder. Now, when you're held accountable for your life, would you want that on your conscience? No. So we are in a situation today. See, so the German Christians didn't stand up. Tens of millions of people died in the war that resulted. Is it fair to say that the blood of World War II was at least partially on the heads of those German Christians? Well, we are facing heavy stuff if we don't stand up here now. We're facing a world that could dissolve into chaos. Russia's ready to march in Eastern Europe. China's ready to march into the Pacific. Um, Iran's ready to march on Israel and Saudi Arabia. The only thing that's stopping that happening is a strong America. And right now, we do not have strong leadership in this country, unfortunately. So it's up to us to stand up wherever we can, because whatever we can do to fortify this great country will give us the greatest chance of peace going forward, real peace. Not the peace of the communists, which means submission to communism, but real peace and real brotherhood of man. That's what we have to stand up. The churches have to lead that. Amen. Let's, let's talk about this whole uh, last year and a half, a year of which there's never been anything like it before. We had a strong leader, perhaps some would argue too strong of a leader. He had mean tweets and all that kind of stuff, but he was a strong leader. I think take we would. Those tweet back. Yeah, take the tweets back. We'll, we'll take the tweets. Um, but we had, a, we had a booming economy. We had, uh, when you look at the policies, we had probably the most conservative policy uh, positions being put into law, you know, in, the, in a long time, perhaps the history of our nation. Uh, and then we had the, uh, the COVID 19 pandemic and everything associated with that. It's like everything, there was, there's probably, like we could talk about five or 10 events that all sprung up. It seemed like we went from, from moving forward in great blessing and prosperity to total chaos. Now, what's your take on the pandemic as it relates to uh, government, uh, perhaps the response of government, the, the impact on our economy and, and on civil liberties in general? Okay. Um, what I say to that is this. You gotta look at this in an international context. Who, China wants to rule the world. Communist China wants to rule the world. Who was their greatest enemy? Who is the one person standing in their way who's willing to stand up to them? Trump, exactly. Okay, yeah, 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 right, sir. And, um, <laughs> no Bernie supporters over there. So, so look, this is, my, this is what I'm gonna say on this, and I can back this up and if I really need to. The COVID was a deliberate military attack by China on this country, okay? Okay? I can go into the details of that, but look, it had three goals. First, wreck the US economy. Second, destroy President Trump. And third, this is the one, to destroy the US military budget. Because right now you have people in your Congress 
are actively working, like Barbara Lee, who's been to Cuba 22 times, has written a letter to the Armed Services Committee demanding massive defence budget cuts in the next budget go-around because we can't afford it now because of COVID. So if they, and they're, they're right now they're purging the military of patriots, conservatives, etc. So if they can succeed, and I call Barbara Lee a traitor straight up, straight up. If they can succeed in gutting your military, which country then rules the world? China. China. So that's the first step. Second step, Black Lives Matter, the riots. Black Lives Matter is a peaceful organisation dedicated to human rights and liberty, right? <laughs> Black Lives Matter was run by a group called Asians for Black Lives, which was runs, run out of the Chinese Progressive Association of San Francisco, a big voter registration organisation in San Francisco. That is a front for the Chinese consulate in San Francisco. Black Lives Matter is run by a pro-Chinese Communist Party called Liberation Road. They are the people who burnt Ferguson, Missouri in 2014. They are the people behind these he, I, it, me, we pronouns that we've got to talk in now. They are a complete Marxist pro-Chinese organisation. Black Lives Matter is a Chinese operation. So they wrecked our economy, then they caused riots in our cities, and then they used the energy of all those young black and Latino kids who are told that Trump's a fascist, um, the country's run by racist Nazis, and the only way we're gonna solve this is to elect Joe Biden. And they ran, the Chinese, same communist groups ran massive voter registration organisations in seven key states in the, in the inner cities of these states. They had black leaders organising communities in Wisconsin, they, in Milwaukee, they had Lucha in Arizona, New Georgia Project in Georgia, um, Pennsylvania stands up in Pennsylvania, Detroit Action in Detroit. And they energised, they did mass voter registration organisation in those states to lift the, the minority vote to such a degree they thought they could win. And they would have ordinarily, but Trump did so darn well in the minority communities that they panicked. And it, well, they already had pre-planned fraud as well. That was part of it but they panicked at midnight, it wasn't working, so they had to dump so much stuff in, you know, truckloads of ballots, they got caught. But even though they got caught, they still bluffed their way through, because unfortunately, the Supreme Court was full of cowards, and the leadership of the GOP was full of cowards as well. Yeah. So, so the point I'm getting at, it's all China, China is the enforcement arm of the New World Order. And you get these globalists like Bill Gates who are pushing vaccines and pushing this stuff and pushing lockdowns. They see China as the communist China as the world's ideal system. Because the old Russian communist system was too inefficient, it didn't have business. The Chinese model incorporates business. So they believe they will be the big businesses who will work with the Communist Party to keep all of you in your place. That's what they believe. And so the COVID epidemic served several purposes. 
to wreck your economy, get you dependent on the government, get you on a universal basic income, and get you shut up forever. So it has a whole bunch of purposes, none of them to do with public health. There's a little joke I heard the other day. A doctor guy goes into his doctor and says, Doc, when are these COVID shutdowns going to finish? And doctor says, how should I know? I'm not a politician. <laughs> so you're, you're here with a lot of freedom-loving people here tonight. And I guess we're looking at what happened last go around. And I told our folks Sunday, I don't think this is the, the last, this is not the last tactic. Uh, no. I heard our president even say he would be open to some more lockdowns, na- yeah, national yeah. lockdowns. Yeah, yeah all these variants coming out of the, of the vaccine and all that. What should be the response of, you know, we've got a lot of business owners out here, people in the marketplace uh, that suffered from shutdowns. We've got churches that still are trying to figure out whether they want to open again. What would you say, do you anticipate that this is going to be another tactic down the road? Is this every flu season? Are we going to be looking at masks and yeah. lockdowns and social distancing? Yeah, we cannot allow this to set a precedent. We've got to be out there saying this was a mistake and we will never allow this to happen again, ever. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm gathering you agree with me. Well, thank you. Look, thank you. Look, we... It's a mistake and never, look, when we had polio, when we had diphtheria, when we had malaria, what we always did was we quarantined the sick and everybody else did what they had to do, right? And we were told this time we couldn't do that because the World Health Organization said there was evidence of asymptomatic transmission and as we didn't have testing, Trump would have to close it all down or there'd be two million dead by Christmas. So he's faced with the choice. Take advice I know is wrong and get blamed for every dead grandmother in the country before the election or do it. Now, the head of the World Health Organization is Mr. Tedros from Ethiopia, the former head of that country's pro-Chinese Communist Party, by the way. He's completely in China's pocket. So this was just part of the scam. And then they acknowledge, well, there wasn't actually evidence of asymptomatic transmission after all. So every county, every church, every community, every family has got to be totally adamant about this. This never, ever, ever happens again. Ever. I wanted to, amen. One of the wise things, at least in my opinion, that our president did was he sent the decision for how this is implemented back to the states. And we, we would agree as conservatives mm. that things should be dealt with at the most local level because yep. we don't yep. have one-size-fits-all yeah. solutions, um, which really goes back to the 10th Amendment. And I know you're a big fan of the 10th Amendment as far yeah. as in terms yeah. of fighting back. So can you talk about that connection and what what's states should be doing. Uh, you know, yeah. we're in a relatively conservative state here, and yet we still de- dealt with like 90 different uh, lockdowns, you know. Yeah, because you had a governor that wasn't willing to stand up, you know. And I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed to be in a state that does have a governor who is willing to stand up. That's Ron DeSantis, you Florida. know. 
And so elections do matter. It does matter who your leaders are. Because if you've got a courageous leader who will stand on the Constitution and stand on principle, you will do a lot better than a state which has terrible leadership, which you've seen all over the country right now. See, recently when Biden, I refuse to say President Biden. Um, no. When President, when, when Biden told Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis to shut down the restaurants, Mr. DeSantis, the second time around, Ron DeSantis said, no, we will not do that. It's not effective. We're not going to do it. So Biden said, well, we might have to shut air travel into Florida. We might even shut road travel into Florida. Well, he might do that to Florida, but if Florida allies with, with um, Mississippi and Texas. Alabama and Texas and Kansas and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Iowa and Nebraska and Indiana and Ohio and South Dakota and North Dakota and Alaska and Montana, what are they going to do? What I'm saying is we got to build a compact of free states, okay? There are, there are 30 Republican-controlled states still right now, stretching from Alaska in the top of the, in the Arctic Circle right through the middle of the country to the Gulf of Mexico and the Florida Keys. And then you bring in the red counties of the blue states. That's 80% of America we're talking, folks. And these are the people who work. These are the people who have farms and businesses and factories. These are the people that, that produce the food, produce the water, the mineral wealth, the goods we consume. Why is 80% of America allowing itself to be bossed around by a bunch of leeches in Washington, D.C. and New York and Chicago? It's real simple, people. We need to stand on the 10th Amendment. Because I'm not talking secession. I'm just saying you get 30 states standing together and they're already starting to do this. You know, Ron DeSantis is helping Texas on the border. Other states are doing that. You need to get 30 states standing together and say, you do not come for our guns. You do not come for our religious liberties. You do not come for our freedom of speech and you do not mess with our elections. End of story. No. No. I wanna, I wanna... Know, the federal government serves at the pleasure of the states, not the other way around. Yep. I got the 10th Amendment here, just in case we haven't brushed up on our Constitution yet. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. Mm. So, uh, again us taking responsibility yeah. for our rights and getting the federal government out of our business in a lot yeah. of areas where they have yeah. no constitutional look, authority. Look, look, absolutely. And see, look at Indiana. You've got Kosciuszko County now. They're a sanctuary constitution county. Now, already other counties are looking at that around the country. That's something you could be working on here. And now Indiana, and I know you've just had your school board elections, unfortunately, but Indiana in the last week has given school boards the power to set your curriculums, not the superintendent of education. That means you can, in every county, set the curriculum that is taught in this county. 
You could totally throw out every commie textbook in this county and start teaching the Constitution, civics, proper geography, classics, religious studies, all of it to your kids. You have the ability to do that now in your county. You do that in your county, that would set an example that would be followed all over the country, folks. We gotta get rid of the power of the Department of Education. All education has to be local so parents actually get control of it again. That would be the greatest favor you could do to your kids, folks, because I know not all of you can homeschool. 95% of kids are still in public school and we gotta be thinking of them too. You know, I just saw here headlines, America's Okay, well, great. Yeah, you should be there on their case all the time. Just saw here, America's largest teachers union votes to help members fight back against anti-CRT rhetoric. And so, again, it's not our local. We might even have teachers here, public school teachers. These are good folks. Many of them yeah. are Christian people. Uh, but it's the powerful unions that have been infiltrated, again, by that Marxist ideology yeah. that are driving yeah. this agenda. Every major union in this country is now controlled by Marxists. And I'm not, you know, I know there might be a lot of union people in the room. This is a strong tradition of unionism here. Look, 40 years ago, you had people like George Meany and that who ran the unions, who were patriots, who loved the country, and they would work with either party, right? Because they put their members' interests first. In 1995, the Marxists of Democratic Socialists of America got rid of Lane Kirkland and his guys, and they put in John Sweeney, a bona fide communist. They took out the anti-communist clause from the AFL-CIO's constitution. You couldn't hold office in the AFL-CIO if you're a communist before that. The communists flooded in, and now every major labor union in this country is run by Marxists. And I know if you're paying union dues, that's where your money's going, folks. And I'm sorry to tell you that if you're a staunch union member. But look, here's a, here's a point. Here's something to think about. 40 years ago, the unions in this country were strongly opposed to illegal immigration. They had people on the border to stop illegal immigrants coming over to protect the jobs of their members. When the Marxists took over, they reversed the policy to support illegal immigration because they wanted the votes of the illegals for the Democratic Party. So you think about this, folks. Your unions were once on your side. Just think about where they are now. I want to backtrack to the Black Lives Matter situation because it's something, you know, our church here is a multi-ethnic congregation. How many of you believe the kingdom of God is full of all different colors, all different, every nation, tribe, language? And, um, and uh, I know the media helped, always tries to find opportunities to throw gasoline on the fire. Yeah. Um, but I still believe part of our message as the body of Christ is to bring genuine healing between the races. And I, I think it's something I'm very proud of our leadership team here and proud of the way we handled that situation. But I'm always in a posture as a pastor. I want to be learning from people from other cultures. I, I realize I have blind sides. I, I, I want to be constantly teachable. And I'm going overboard, especially I believe the body of Christ should be a reflection 
of the community in which you live. And Northwest Indiana is a very diverse place. And so I know when a lot of that was happening and we saw some legitimate injustice, I believe what took place is we had a lot of people concerned about race, but that thing was uh, you know, hijacked by Antifa. Uh, we had a lot of people that were looking for the wound. You know, this is communist strategy, right? When we go in, we rub the wound, we fester the wound, we create unrest. And I saw this whole Antifa movement where now you're having not African Americans, uh, but you're having white folks coming in with masks on, burning down buildings as well, and really kind of taking over the whole, the whole gig, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we have the chaos on the border. I mean, it doesn't make sense to any American that we should have no borders and just allow people to run in and out of our country. That it's almost like, let's, let's see how we could destroy our country. Well, they're trying to do that. And that yeah, but, but it doesn't make sense to us normal Americans. Like, why is this going on? So can you talk about, like, why is chaos and unrest and everything inherent in the Marxist plan? I mean, it's part of their yeah. strategy. Because they are basically satanic. They want to overthrow God's order and establish their principality on earth. And so, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, that's a national security blueprint. How many times did the Israelites have to put a a wall around their city to protect themselves from invaders? And what happened when they didn't? What happened when they were negligent? So building, that's what the Old Testament is so important because that's law. That's that's how you run your society. That's how you, how you build something. And so they want to tear all of that down. So the whole, you know, you look at Black Lives Matter. They, they have in their platform the end of the nuclear family. Right. So what's that got to do? Hasn't ending the nuclear family done a little bit of harm to the black community in this country? Yes. And every community, to be honest? So... They don't have an agenda of racial reconciliation. They have an agenda of rubbing every wound till it's raw. We, we are living in an imperfect society where people treat each other badly for all sorts of reasons. But you don't correct that problem by demonizing, another, you know, taking racism against blacks and turning it into racism against whites. That's not going to help. You know, the, the, Chris, you know, there is a very simple way of ending racism that is do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. You know, that's, it's, it's, it's all you really need. Yeah. Everything else is just like, you don't need social justice, you just need justice. When you add something to it, you are corrupting it. Justice is justice. Yeah. Treating people fairly is very simple. You don't need a government body to help you do that. You don't need people riding on the streets to do that. You don't need indoctrination in the schools to do that. You just teach the golden rule and you treat people fairly. And that's, that's the best you can do. You know, all this, all the social science data points to three things. If we can have young people not have children before they're married, if they can stay in school and graduate, and if they can work a full-time job, that alleviates about 98% of poverty in America if we can yeah. just do those three things. And I think if, we, if we're talking about income uh, disparity and some of these issues that are uh, couched in racial matters, mm-hmm. this is where I think is the church's strong point, is we help build strong marriages and families. We, we help people uh, get educated. We help people have a work ethic and diligence and work hard for their living mm-hmm. and create economic opportunity. Yeah. Uh, talk about this. this. This is another Marxist point. What's the difference? that we heard our vice president 
use the term uh, equity mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. equality. Mm -hmm. We all believe in equality, uh, equal opportunity under the law, but yeah. equity is a whole different yeah, yeah. concept. See, this is the, the communists use similar sounding words. And, you know, like, okay, we, we have a concept, the word democracy, right? You know, people think of democracy means you have representative government, you have, you know, you vote and do that. A communist to democracy means, means the will of the people. But who are the representatives of the people? The Communist Party are the representatives of the people. So democracy is rule of the Communist Party. That's how they define democracy, right? We define peace as people living in harmony, living fairly, treating each other equally. They define peace as no further opposition to communism. So equity, what equality means you are all treated fairly before the law. Now, look, any family with kids knows that if you want chaos in your family, you treat one child differently than the other. What, what, does that create chaos or what? Yes, it does. So it is very hard. Yes, it does. So every parent with multiple children is always doing the very best they can to treat every child as equally as they possibly can. And you're never going to get it right, but that's the goal. That's not e fair. That's yeah, not that's fair. That's fair. No, no. He got an apple. I didn't. Yeah, well, you... you you threw a stone through the window. Yeah, but he, but you know, you know what it goes like. But that's the principle. Now, if you want a harmonious family, you treat your children equally. You introduce equity. So one kid behaves very, very well, and the other kid is a little rat bag, but you give them the same rewards. That's equity. Doesn't matter what they do, they get the same outcome. So somebody, equity in society means you work hard, you build up a business, you're really a go-getter, and somebody slacks around and smokes dope all day, but they get the same income. That's equity. That is the opposite of equality. The opposite, but they, you know, people, oh, equity sounds like equality. It must mean the same thing. Equity is the forced leveling of results. Equality is the equal opportunity and guarantees of equality before the law. The rich man gets treated the same before the law as the poor man. We know that doesn't happen in America, but that's our ideal. That's what we strive to do. Equality before the law. Equity is forced taking from one to give to another so there is equal outcome, regardless of your behavior, regardless of your virtue, regardless of whatever. Can you think of a greater recipe for social disaster than that? You know, the famous, the famous story of a professor who's all his kids in his class saying, we would think socialism's a great idea. We really think it's good. Okay, well, you all do your exam. And... Um, they, they all do their exam. You can do an exam on socialism. And they all do the exam, and they all get a C. He gives them all a C. And Sarah says, I spent eight hours on that. I went down to the library. I've got A's all year, and you give me a C. And Fred down there didn't do a thing and handed in half a paragraph, and he got a C. How is that fair? That's equity. That socialism I took from you, you had more, 
I gave to him because he had less. Now you're equal. Isn't that fair? No. That is equity. Yeah. That is not equality. It's a very different and a very destructive thing. Well, how about this? Well, what a great discussion on uh, the way socialism does not bring greater blessing to all of us, but really makes us all miserably equal uh, by uh, diluting and robbing people of incentive, robbing people of the, uh, the blessings that come from hard work and diligence and investment and sacrifice and all things that have been part of uh, the Christian capitalistic understanding of America and really the the precursors to blessing and success and prosperity. So equity versus equality it sounds alike, but radically different. And I uh, appreciate Trevor highlighting those important principles for us. So, hey, you're learning a lot in these episodes. It doesn't do us any good to be silent. Uh, let's, let's hear the, uh, the challenge from our friend to make sure we raise our voices, to stand up for truth, to communicate a Christian worldview, uh, and to make sure we spread this message far and wide. So please help us to do that. The final episode of uh, the Loudon interview will happen next Thursday. So we're going to get into a blueprint, a battle plan. Where do we go from here? And what do we do? We're, we're certainly not going to leave you hopeless or overwhelmed. We are forever prisoners of hope uh, with our Lord. Uh, we know that uh, revival and reformation are part of his ongoing work in the world. And so we're excited about the opportunity that we have to roll up our sleeves and uh, and to get to work uh, restoring and redeeming our nation. That'll be uh, next week's episode. So until then, you have a great week and uh, spread the word far and wide. Until then, we'll see you next week. <laughs>